and we'll see what God will and can do in this place this morning. Amen. God is good, good, good. Next, 17 and verse 16. Sure, Amen. Hey there. Amen. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was steered in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Let me just talk a little bit here as I'm reading some of this. He's seen the city. Wrapped up in idolatry. Therefore, uh, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with the devout persons in the market daily with them that met with him. Jump down to verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Let's pay attention to that phrase. The unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with man's hand, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the, all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times of appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. I know I'm reading a lot, so just bear with me here. Um, a few more scriptures. Verse 28. Pay much attention to this one. For in him, somebody say in him, we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offsprings of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, or silver, or stone graven by the art of man's device. In the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent, because he appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by man, whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Verse 32, the last verse. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. Notice it said, some mocked. But some said, we're going to listen to this. Lord, bless us today. Touch every life, touch every heart, every soul. Help us in this place today, God, in your mighty name. In our hearts, like ears, and help me. Just be able to say what you want me to say today, God. Thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. Love the Lord today. Amen. I'm glad to be here. The devil has attacked the passion and the motive of humanity in this present hour we're living in. The devil, Brother Donnie, is trying to suppress and smash our, our passions for Jesus. He's trying his best to cause our passions to, he don't want to just destroy our passions, but he wants to displace that passion. He wants to cause our passion to get on something else and not on God. And such is the case in the text that I read today. I realized that it was a fairly long text, and I hope that you caught some of it as I read and is paying attention with it. But Paul, being in Athens, his spirit were stirred in, in him. Brother Cliff, when he when he walked into this city, and all of a sudden as he walks into this city, he sees that the entire city, Brother David, is given to idolatry. Idolatry. I don't know what all their or their idols that they was worshiping, but as one it said. They had a subscription that said to the unknown God. There was a God that evidently they had all kinds of idols, of idol worship, but there was one that they must have recognized maybe even as a higher power. And, and they were worshiping all of these idols. Now I know our generation, we do not serve wooden statues, or at least I don't think. Some people now, may, may nowadays, I don't know. Um, you know, we go to the Chinese restaurants, they got the little Buddha statue there. Thankful the one in Princeton don't have that. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Or they got to say that before. They play Christian music even, so that's what makes me like them even better. <laughs> our, our generation doesn't serve these wooden statues. Last night, or a couple nights ago, was a blood moon. We don't, people not out there worshiping the moon and the stars and etc. But today, in our hour, we have plenty of idols that bids for our time. And see, Paul found himself standing in the midst of Mars Hill. And he said, you men of Athens, I, I perceive that all you are way too superstitious. You have a lot of religious rituals going on. Now, I said, well, he goes, he passed by, he even said, I, I, I behold your devotions. I, I see your devotions. He said, it's not that you're not devoted. He said, I see your devotions. And I, I see what you're doing. And I, I even see that you have some altars. It's not that we don't have altars in the time we're living in. It's not that we don't have devotions, Brother brother Cliff. We have devotions. And people, I'm talking about even in the church, they have devotions. And they, and they have rituals. But he said, it's to the unknown God whom you ignorantly worship. They realized that there was higher power. But they was not worshiping him with their all. It sounds like our day. It sounds like our hour. People are worshiping God, but they don't really know him. Today, we have people all across this nation, this world, that's in church today. They're going through their rituals. They're going through their superstitions. I got to go to church. And we don't have as much as we used to. People didn't miss church for nothing, you know. 
I know we don't have as much as used to. But we still got people in our churches that going through their rituals and they're worshiping God, but they don't really know Him. How do you know they don't really know Him? Hear me out today. Look around you. We have not the crowd we want to have today. A lot of empty seats. A lot of kids that's not in Sunday school today. Why is that? It's not just this church. I know it's a lot of churches that battle this thing that I'm talking about today. We have churches that's worshiping God. And it's as if they have, just like what Paul was talking about. They have an inscription that says, this is my God. But there's really an unknown subscription to it. Because I don't really know who he is. How can you say that people don't know who he is? Because Paul began to preach to them about Jesus. And in his sermon, Paul makes this incredible, awesome statement. He said, for in him, him who? Jesus. We live and move and we have our being. I have a question for Harvest House today. What moves you? What causes you to get up out of bed every day? Or does anything cause you to get excited about getting out of bed every day? Every one of us has a factor in our life that causes us to move. It causes us to go. That causes us to get up and do something. Or has a, move, a factor that has us not even moving in our lives. You may be here today thinking, Brother, Brother Lord and Pastor, I, I, I just, I don't totally understand or grasp it. Well, I hope maybe before this day's over, you'll understand. I didn't come to do no, uh, a whole lot of teaching this morning. I, I want to just get down and do a little bit of pushing and grinding and maybe try my best to get us moving a little bit in the right direction. Praise the Lord. Because let me tell you what, this this uh, 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 scripture that Paul was talking about, moving. Everybody say moving. As a as a verb, the word moving is to go in a specified direction or a manner. To change positions, make progress, to develop in a particular manner or direction. Move in our text today. Its original Greek meaning is defined as to steer or to go. What causes you to steer about? What causes you to get up and go on a daily basis? What drives you? What is that driving force? What is that driving factor in your life? What is that thing? Uh, what is the moving factor in your life? Today, I want to preach on that phrase. That's praying. Actually, a week before, this is what I was going to do last Sunday. I, after after service, I understood. And after today, I sat and did some more studying. The Lord just made it fall together better for me and everything. God knows what he's doing. I trust him. But the moving factor. I said it, but let me say it again. Paul said, for in him we live and move and have our being. That word live means in this verse, it means lively. Amen. I've determined that I come into the church I've been trying my best. I hope you've seen over the last several weeks. I am not sitting back. If nobody else worships, I've got something to worship about. I'm going to be lively. 
under move. Why? There's something in me, hallelujah, that says, I want something to drive me and push me. And this is what Paul was saying in this in the scripture. For in him, Jesus, we live, we have a liveliness. I said earlier that move means to steer and to go. Uh, he said, in, in Jesus, we, we should be lively. In Jesus, it should be something that, that moves us. Why? Because he said, in him, I live, I move, and I have my being. This word being, when you look it up in the Greek, it, it means to have hope. And specifically, hope in the gospel. Not just any kind of hope, but hope in the gospel. Hallelujah. And you may tell you, we need hope in this hour that we live in. So, with that said, we can say this, this phrase, as Paul said. We can say, for in him, Jesus, we become lively. And we are steered to go. Because in him, Jesus, we have a hope because of the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm asking us today, does Jesus motivate you? Does Jesus steer you up? Do you have a passion for him? Do you have a passion for the gospel? Do you have a passion for this message? Hallelujah. What moves you to come to the house of God? What moves you to get out of bed? What moves you, hallelujah, to be able to come in the house of God? No, I can tell you what moves some people. It's not Jesus because Paul said, in him we are lively. In him I move. Let me tell you what, some people don't have that in their lives because they come and sit in a, you can't, if they weren't if they was dressed like the pew, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them and the pew because the pew, the pew don't move. Hallelujah. It doesn't move at all. And neither does some people. But we got to get something on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Realize that God is my moving factor. God is why I get up in the morning. God is why I live. God is why I serve Him. God is why I'm pastoring this church. What is the factor that moves you or the lack thereof today? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with us so much. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I've given to you power. Power. Sister Lord, he's given us power. What kind of power? To tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you he give us that power I believe Jesus is telling them something in this verse he said I give you somebody look at your neighbor and say he gave it to you he gave it to you everyone in this building he gave you that power Everyone sitting up here in this classroom here today, I know you've all been filled with the Holy Ghost because I heard you speak with tongues. And this is what he's talking about. When he filled you with the Holy Ghost, he gave you the power. But let me tell you what, you're the one has to get up. You're the one that has to do it. You're the one that has to engage in the battle. You're the one that has to engage the enemy in the battle. Let me tell you what, the door that is marked opportunity has pushed on it. God never uh, promised in your life that you would have anything without a battle. And you've got to get the victory. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to push that door open yourself. It's amazing to me how many lazy people we have in the church today. Expect God to hand them everything on a silver platter. It's amazing to me that we come in the house of God and we expect 
Bethany and, and these praise team leaders or, or me or whoever else is up here leading the service. We expect them, okay, preacher, why don't you move me? Let me tell you what. If your moving factor in a church service is your pastor or the song that song, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to find something else to get to move you because I can only move you so far. And a song can only move you so far. You've got to get something down on the inside of you. Jesus said, I give you the power. He didn't give me the power to move you. He gave yourself the power to move you. And listen to me today. It's up to you. I give to you power over all the enemy. He said, you will be the one treading on the serpent. You got a devil fighting you. You're the one that's going to tread on the serpent. We're, we're, letting the, we're letting too many of the devils tread on us, but we need the devil under our feet. Hallelujah. He gave us the power to tread on the serpent while we let the serpent tread on us. Second Corinthians 3 and 5, Paul tells us that we have the weapons of warfare. I talked about it earlier. The weapons of warfare that was given us by God, and these weapons can, what do they do? They pull down strongholds. And we can cast down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We can bring every thought in the captivity to the obedience of Christ. He said, you, 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 you're going to do it. Why aren't we doing it? Why are we not motivated to do this? It seemed like it's been the theme of this whole morning today. We can't sit on our seat and think that it's going to get done. And I'm not just talking about in the church service, but I'm talking about the house. We have, it's time for us to make our minds up. What moves you? I don't know about you, but when, when Brother Near began to read that last thing that he was talking about the other night because I try to keep a close tabs on that but when he started reading that and he started talking about the fact that the treaty had already been signed I know enough about the word of God folks when that treaty is signed they know what that tells me that you know what according to how you like he said whether how you believe pre-post or, or pre-trib whatever may be the case if that treaty had already signed immediately in my mind I'm thinking okay God the most time I have left on this earth is seven years because when they signed that peace treaty, it's seven years to battle the Armageddon, and this thing is done, folks. When he began to read that, I'm, I'm, my mind is just, I've been blown away in my mind thinking, my goodness, did this happen since we come to church? Because I hadn't seen nothing. That would be all over Facebook. I'd be getting emails from Hit Time Ministry and all that. What in the world? Lord Jesus, I got seven years, and we're sitting around, and we're not doing nothing. Something began to roll over in my spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And I, there was just a little bit of relief when he said, of course you know this is not true, because I think, oh God, now I'm I got more time to try to do some more. Hallelujah. But in some ways, I, I kind of almost wish it, it had been signed. That he would motivate me to realize how I ain't got my seven years left. It's time to get busy. It's time to get, it's time to win this city. It's time to do all I can, God. But folks, it's not going to happen if we don't have a motivating factor of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life. You can't get up in the morning and walk around like your world is falling apart, even if it is falling apart. Because in the end, this life doesn't matter. In the end, the only thing that matters is the hope of the gospel. What is the hope of the gospel? That the end of these days, you're going to make heaven your home. Amen. 
book of Joshua, chapter 10, verse 24, Joshua called uh, all the men of Israel. And he said, and he told the captains, the men of war which were with him, he said, come here. I want you to put your nets. He said, I want you to put your nets on these kings. And they came and they put their, they put their feet on the necks of these kings. And Joshua said to them, he said, fear not. He said, don't be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Joshua said, look, you, you put your feet on these captains, uh, on these king's feet. God promised them the victory, but it was depending upon them having action first. He said, you're going to have the victory, but I want you to come here. And I want you to put your feet on these king's necks. You know what he said? He was trying to motivate them. and said, look, the victory is yours. I'm giving you a motive to come put your feet on these king's necks. The victory's yours. Don't you think about the, the wall in chapter Joshua chapter 6 that the children of Israel had to walk around. Think about that wall. It was That city Jericho was surrounded by a wall. God promised Joshua and the children of Israel that he would give them the city. But they had to march. They had to get up and march. They had to march around the city seven days without saying a word. And then on the seventh day, the final time, the seven times around the wall, and the final time, they, everybody said they, they were to blow the trumpets and shout for the victory. They had to have a motivating factory, a factor in their life. But Joshua said, look, if you will do this, God will do this. Come on, God's still telling us today, if you will do this, I will do this. He's telling us that today. You will have victory. It will do this. Why are we sitting on our seat? He's telling us you'll have power to tread on serpents if you'll pray like you've never prayed. You'll have power, hallelujah, like we've never had. If we will, why are we not doing it? What is the motivating factor in our life? I want us to realize today we are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. But the moving factor in our lives should be that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I can't let this world be the motivating factor in me. Just like I talked about it yesterday. Uh, all of a sudden, I got to think about some things yesterday. I'm not going to go into all of the details and all that kind of stuff. And, and all of a sudden, uh, Brother Donnie, I began to let the motivating factor in my life at that time be these other things that, that was worldly things. Not, I mean, not in the worldly sense of simple things, but worldly things like, you know, uh, finances and all that type of thing. And, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm feeling all the crush coming in on me. And it's easy for us to begin to get uh, the feel of pressure and all that. And I'm begin to get grumpy and gripey and all. You know what happened? The motivating factor was no longer that, that hey, I'm a tithe payer. Uh, I, I, I give in the offerings. I, I'm faithful to the house of God. I pray and worship. All of a sudden, that wasn't the factor no more. What became a factor was the, all this other stuff coming on us. And uh, you know what? When the motivating factors begin to come in on us, we begin to do different than what we're supposed to do. But you know what? What we need to do, it's time for us to get mad. At everything the devil's doing to our family. Amen. It's time for us to let the motivating thing. It's time to let empty pews to be a motivating factor in our lives. Amen. It's time for us to let empty offering pants be a motivating factor in our lives. Church fans that's breaking down, having flat tires. And all kinds of things. They need to be a motivating factor in our life. It's time for us to get mad at everything the devil's doing to our family. Amen. Amen. 
Everything the devil's trying to do to our ministry, our finances, our health, and let that be a motivating factor. It's time for us to rise up on the inside and tell the devil, enough is enough. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of you walking on my family. I'm tired of you trying to destroy my children. I'm tired of you trying to keep people away from my church. I'm tired of it. It's time for us to rise up, hallelujah, and say, God, if you're going to be God, I'm going to put you to the test, hallelujah. I'm going to let you motivate me. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to find a place to pray. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to find a place to read my Bible. I'm going to get up, hallelujah. I'm going to walk through the day with a smile on my face. Because you, God, are worth living for. Amen. Yeah. Exodus 14, 13. Moses said to the people, Fear you not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you. To the day for the Egyptians whom you have sent, seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. You shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Work for Christ unto me. Get the picture. God has brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea. Okay? He brought them through the Red Sea. On the other side, when the last person brings their foot onto the, to the ground where that Red Sea would not touch them, God closes that Red Sea. The Egyptians, which is a type of sin, a type of your past, begins to swallow it up. It's a type of baptism. Begins to swallow it up in that Red Sea. And all of a sudden, the people get this deer in the headlight look. I've been delivered. I don't have anything behind me no more. What do I do now? Moses said, the Lord's going to fight with you. He's going to fight for you. To hold your peace. And then and when you're standing there, the Lord looks at Moses and he said, why are you crying to me? I've done my part. I've delivered you from sin. I, I, the Egyptians, you're not going to see them anymore. And he said, speak into the children of Israel that they go forward. The Lord, Moses said, the Lord's going to fight for you. It's time for you to move forward. I come to tell somebody in this building today, we've been here long enough. We've been in this place long enough. It's time for us to move forward. It's time for us as an individual to get out of that place we are and move forward. Brother David, I'm making my mind up. Hallelujah. It's time for me. I talked about it earlier. I want that stuff that's been prophesied over me. I'm tired of that not being active in my life. I'm ready to move forward. Hallelujah. I'm ready to see the buses full. I'm ready to see the pews full. I'm ready to see the church back in Marion. I'm ready to see your kids in this house. Hallelujah. I'm ready to see backsliders come back in this place. It's time for us to quit feeling in this place we are. It's time to move forward. When we go farther with it, Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 1, then we turn into our journey to the wilderness. Moses speaking by the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spake unto me. We can pass Mount Seir many days. We're on this mountain a lot of days. We're on this same spot a lot. Hey, I feel like it's how we've been the last three or four or five years in this church. We've, we've been going around the same mountain way too long. Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, this is what it's what he was saying. The Lord said, the Lord said to Moses, You've compassed this mountain many days. 
But then after like after the Lord speaking to me lately, said, you know what? You've been here long enough. All right. The Lord spake unto me saying, you have come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. Hey, you've been doing this long enough. It's time for you to turn and go a different direction. God commanded Moses, you tell the people that you've been, let me tell you what, at, at nearly a full year of Mount Sinai area, it was there that the covenant God made with uh, the descendants of Israel, they'd been confirmed. It was there that the tabernacle had been established as God's dwelling place. But listen, the time had come for the next step in the fulfillment of the promise made to the fathers of the children of Israel. The command was given to them to march straight into Canaan and to possess it. He said, you turn now and take your journey. The moving factor advanced them to the land to get their promised land. He said, go in and possess the land. God's given us Miriam. God's given some of us ministry. God has given us, some, some of us, the land of your families. And I think it's time for us to go in and possess the land. God's given us miracles. God's given us all this stuff. And we're compassing this mountain long enough. Come on, folks. We've been here long enough. It's time for us to get out. Why? Why are we stuck in this place? Every one of us in this place today. If you'll be honest with me today. Or let's be honest with yourself. Why are you stuck in one place you are? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe we're like those on Mars Hill. And we're worshiping an unknown God. Brother, brother Lord, I, I know I worship Jesus. Yeah. But maybe it's time Jesus be the moving factor in our lives. Because here's the thing. I think we know, it's not that we're worshiping an unknown God. We know that Jesus is the mighty God in Christ Jesus. We know that. But do we really know him? Brother Donnie, I'm desperate to know him like that. I'm desperate to know him like Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but dumb that I may win Christ. He said, look, I, I, I just... This stuff around me. See, here's the problem. Let me just break it down for today. The motivating factor, the biggest problem that you and I do not get a hold of what God's got for us because we have as much of the world motivating us as we do as Jesus motivating us. Amen. Amen. Truth, folks. We have so much in this world that's dictating. Today, wiser people not here. I've asked a few. Some said this and was asleep or this and that. Why would they sleep today? Listen, folks, when it's Sunday, and I know it's going to be church the next day, the best thing to do is to go to sleep early if you have a problem getting up. 
the day I will never forget as a young man. God's always dealt with me with an early morning prayer. I believe a person ought to pray all the time, but you may not be an early you may not be an early riser. That's okay. But when you when you rise, when you rise up, the first thing you need to think about is prayer. Okay. You may not be an early riser. That's okay. But to me, when I get up early and nobody else is around and I'm praying, my mind's fresh. And Brother Donnie, I have struggled with that for years. I remember being a young man. I don't think I was even married yet. I was struggling with this. And I was going to get up early and pray. And I'd set the alarm uh, going and work. You know, I'd, I'd get up. I'd get up too late to pray and all this kind of stuff. And I'll never forget. It was it was a beautiful. It was going to be a beautiful Christmas clear morning, not so cold, but not so hot. And I knew that good and well, uh, my dad had this terminology. So I believe the deer would bite in the morning. You know, you go fishing, you believe the fish would bite, he believe the deer would bite. I had to use that terminology. Lord, it's going to be a good day for hunting. It is on a Saturday morning, and Sister Lois, that alarm went off. I then got myself psyched. I got myself excited. I had all my hunting clothes laid out. I had everything laid out, Brother Donnie. I had I had everything, the, the, the three-wheeler gassed up, everything ready to go. When I could get up, I could just get my clothes on, and I'd take off, and I'd get in the woods bright and early before it gets daylight and before any animals are steering. And all of a sudden, that alarm went off, Brother Donnie, and I got up immediately. I'm halfway through getting my clothes on, and all of a sudden, this thing just hit me. <laughs> You mean you can get up and go hunting, but you can't get up and pray? Whoa. Hit me like a ton of bricks. Do you know more miracles happen on Monday morning than any other time in this world? Because Sunday, there are so many sick people who can't come to church, but Monday morning, oh my God, when that alarm goes off, everybody is healed and nobody misses work. Oh, yeah. Why? Because we're motivated more by the power than we are the moving of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning. I'm telling you what motivates you. I woke up. I went to bed earlier last night because I wanted to get up early this morning. And I, I knew it was going to be a pretty, the exact same thing. I knew it was going to be a pretty morning. Hallelujah. I want to go sit on the deck. And it was prettier than I thought. I went out there and sit down and have my cup of coffee. I think I went back and get me a coat put it on. But it's just a little bit chillier than I thought it was. But it was beautiful. Oh, God, put that on the inside of me. Put the put the rest of what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter uh, uh, 3 when he said, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm reaching forth to those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in God in Christ Jesus. If you and I can let Jesus be the number one motivating factor in our lives, let me tell you what. Oh, let me tell you what. We never want to miss a church service. We never want to miss a time that we're, oh, we're supposed to be praying with Jesus. We never want to miss a time of prayer meeting. We never want to miss a time. We have an opportunity to do something for Jesus. We wake up in the morning. Oh, I know we're going to wake up feeling bad sometimes. But the majority of the time, we're going to be motivated, hallelujah, by Jesus, hallelujah. Motivated by Him. Well, I'm trying to motivate somebody today. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1. And Joshua rose up early in the morning. There you go, early in the morning. And they removed from Shechem and came to Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel lost there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people saying, Where? 
When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your old place. I love the King James Version uh, uh, way they put this. Go after it. I love it, Sister Michelle. It's a good, you know, it, it sounds like some kind of uh, new term that we say right now, but you know what? He said, look, when you see the glory of God get up and move, get away from that place you're at, and you need to go after it. That's what I'm trying to tell us today. We need, we've been in this place motivated too long by our dilemma, motivated too long by the place we are. We need to quit looking at all that stuff and see the glory of God is trying to move this church in a new direction, and we need to get up from where we are, get up from the place we are, and it's time for us to go after it. Hallelujah. What moves you? What are you going after? You find it easier to get up and go to work, hallelujah, than to get up and to come to church on Sunday. Do you find it easier in the afternoons, hallelujah, uh, to, to go fishing after a day of work or to go to church on a Thursday, hallelujah? Oh, what motivates you? Do you find it easier, praise the Lord, to go uh, uh, go hang out at the fair on a Friday night or go on an outreach on a Saturday morning or a Wednesday when Brother Jenkins is having his Bible studies? What do, hallelujah, what what are we motivated by? Amen. See what we're motivated by? What we have faith in. We're motivated by what we have faith in. Praise God. We have more faith that KU or Kennedy is going to turn your power off if you don't pay your bill than that we'll be cursed if we don't pay our tithes. We have more faith that they'll turn our cell phones off if we don't pay our bill. You know where I'm going with all this, right? But Lord, you could preach all day without that. I know. It's my job. I'm not your friend today. I'm your pastor. Amen. I can't be both. I'll be your friend sometimes, but I'm always going to be your pastor, all right? See, it's not that we don't have faith. I mentioned this the other night. It's not that we don't have faith. God has given us all the measure of faith. That's what the word of God says. But it's up to us to choose what we put faith in. Right? We choose what we have faith in. And it's not that we don't have faith. Most of the times, we have more faith in our dilemma than we do in our God. You can search it. It's on YouTube. It's one of the most incredible messages you'll ever hear. But the Jeff Warren preaching, I will not die in my dilemma. It's incredible. You need to search it on YouTube. It's, it's an old one. He said, I will not die in my dilemma. He was going through a dilemma. Church finances, all kinds of things. He would cause time preaching. He preached this sermon, I will not die in my dilemma. Before that service is over, they took up, I don't know how many, it was hundreds of thousands. It could have been a million dollars. They took care of everything he had going on. See, we get faith. We get faith in our disease. If we're sick. We get faith in our disease. We get faith in our bondage that's holding us. And we think, I, I, I'm not going to be able to get out of this. It's time for us to not be motivated by, by faith in this other stuff, but be motivated. I was, I was talking to someone yesterday about some circumstances. And and I won't go into the details of what they're talking about, but it's, I, I, I use this analogy for them and said, 
One reason you're not getting what you're looking for is because you have narrowed your mindset down. Okay? You're just going to this one spot. It's like you only have faith in this one spot. And you can't receive what you need because you're concentrating in the wrong place. Amen. Back when I was younger and I was talking about my hunting days, there used to be about nearly 3,500 acres around my house that we could hunt and fish on. Every Saturday I'd get up to one hunting season. I'd ride, I'd go hunt every Saturday. I kill a lot of deer. I don't hunt deer, don't deer anymore because I've just got one spot behind my house. I have nowhere to. And I don't have faith in it, Brother David, so I don't go half time. <laughs> I like that with fishing right now. I got a couple places I fish. I fish at the old mill dam or Bashir's uh, Lake. And my boat's not running, so I don't get out on the lake. So I just don't go that much anymore. I got faith in it. When I was young, but now I could go. I get up in the morning, I, I count. I had 10 different fishing holes I could go to. And I'd come home with fish every week. I had fish in the freezer. We'd eat fish every week. More. Why? Because I opened up the spectrum of my belief. You see what we do? We have narrowed our faith down to all we do is we're concentrating on this one little spot. And if it's not producing like we think it should produce, our faith in that sucks our motivation and we're not motivated. And that's what I said right now. I was going to go fishing yesterday morning. I got up and I got to thinking about, well, the one place I've been going fishing is old mill down down there in Dawson Springs and the water's so low right now that the water's just barely trickling over top of the dam. There's not a whole lot of water there that's so shallow you just can't fish. I thought, Oh, I just lay here. Then the next thing I know is 15 and I'm like, oh God, what am I here this long for? But I had no motivation to get me up. But if I had all them other fishing places, I promise you, I got up and I would have went fishing and I'd come home with some fish. See, this is the point I'm trying to make today. We have faith in things, and it motivates you. And let me tell you today, if you don't have no faith in Jesus, you're not going to be motivated by him. Listen, folks, when we get tired of being pushed around, when we get tired of the devil stealing from us, when we get tired of having the devil in our face all the time, Hopefully, we'll begin to be moved by the glory of God and not by the lies of the devil. So Joshua said, when you see the glory of Moses, when you see that glory begin to move. I was Joshua. So when you see that, that art begin to move. You move. What moves you? When the Spirit of God gets to flowing. I'm going to tell you right now, listen to me. God has brought this church to a new season. Something is happening. These prayer services we've been having, everybody's feeling the effect of it. It's, I don't know about you, but it's trickling down in my house because I'm feeling a, a different motivation than I've had in a while. I'm feeling a different excitement in me. The crowd's not what I wanted to be here today, but we've had an incredible service and God's doing some things. It, what were you saying? But when you start seeing the Spirit move, go after it. Don't be motivated. In fact, 
I've tried it and it didn't work. Well, this might be the time it works. Get up and go after it. Every time you think about giving up, folks, remind yourself of how miserable you are when you're not where you need to be with God. Come on, folks. We need to discipline ourselves. We need to commit ourselves to change the circumstances around us by changing me. Nothing will change in our circumstances until we change. We got to decide. I'm going to be the man of God or the woman of God that God's destined to be to me. We've got to decide to discipline ourselves to read the Word of God. We've got to decide to discipline ourselves to really pray. We've got to decide to discipline ourselves to fast at least once a week. Discipline ourselves that I'm going to try to make every service. I'm going to try to make everything. I'm going to discipline myself that I'm going to be a light. I'm going to be a witness. Discipline ourselves. We've got to have the moving factor in our life, hallelujah, that causes us to be what God wants us to be. What is the moving factor in your life? I promise you. They're out there praying. It's going through the, the tabernacle prayer. And I was I was at that altar praying this morning. God, forgive me of this search in my heart. The Lord beckoned my spirit. It's like, okay. I was moved to apologize to my family. I said, look, I got too crumpy with you yesterday. He said, but we're moved a lot of times by pride. I can't do that. Somebody I know that I'm not what they think they are. Look, I'm, a, I'm human, okay? If we can understand today, what are we moved by? You don't like what the devil's doing to your finances? Ask yourself this question. What am I going to do about it? Amen. There's some practical things we can do, folks. I got my sister-in-law, Sister Rita. Pregnant. I remember when she was living in a trailer behind her her uh, her uh, mom and dad. Her her first husband had, had left her and she was living in that trailer. But let me tell you what, Rita always had money. Why? She disciplined herself. Not just the tithing offering thing. But let me tell you what, folks, we've got to determine in our lives that we're going to be good stewards with three areas in our life. To become what God wants us to be. And I'm hoping to do some preaching and teaching on this very soon. Three areas that we need to learn to discipline to be a good steward. It's our finances. Our health. Amen. And the things that God has put in our hands. Amen. we got to get ourselves motivated. Motivated by this. I'm awake. 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 I'm
bushes. And my daughter comes and she says, Dad, this and I'm battling that. It's happened in my life way too much. You, you guys know this. Motivates me. Makes me want to get up early in the morning. Get on my knees. Come out on a Sunday morning. There's 35 or so here. Motivates me. God, I want to pray like I've never prayed. Amen. We need to let something begin to motivate on the inside of us. There's some kids down there that don't. They don't. They don't have parents that's bringing them to church. A message from a man that, that's been in our church here a few times. I won't call his name. Like I said, it's probably going out on, on the podcast uh, before the day's over. But he messaged me and said, Hey, man, I'm, I'm at this place. I'm doing good. I'm going to the biggest church here in, in this area. So it's, it's, not, it's not like y'all's church. I'm like, I'll be out in January hoping to come back and motivate me, Brother Donnie. God touch him. God help him. God put something inside of him. When he comes back, he'll get a hold of something. Oh, come on. Oh, these the empty seats ought to motivate us. Them kids that come through here. Oh, come on. They're sitting in the back seats and here and there. Oh, that, that, that don't look like they got a hold of something. That needs to motivate us. We don't like what the devil's doing to our family. It'll motivate us to pray and fast like we never prayed. Uh, fasted to pray. Come on. Ask yourself today, what are you going to do about it? It's going to motivate you. What are you going to wake up? What's waking you up and getting you through the day? What moves you? Book of Acts chapter 20. We'll bring us to close today. Paul begins to go through and talk about some things. He much of my Miletus to Ephesus called the elders of church and he just goes through about some of his temptations and saying he served the Lord with humility and mind and tears and temptations all the different things he begins I'm not going to read it all if you want to read it later you can it's the book of Acts 20 17 through 24 he said I kept nothing back it's profitable for you I'm just hit some highlights verse 23 it says save the Holy Ghost witness in every city Saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Verse 24, he says this. He said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ, testify the gospel of the grace of God. He's saying all these other afflictions, all this stuff I went, that stuff didn't move me. The gospel's what's moved me. He's what's moving me. I count my life dear to myself. So I want to finish my course. Paul's saying, what's moving me? I want to finish my course, not just any kind of way, but with joy in the ministry which he received. I may mention what Brother Nier talking about earlier with that thing he read, which is what is going to happen in the future with these treaty in seven years left. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 through 14 says this, The Lord's not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness. But he's long-suffering towards us. I'm glad he's long-suffering towards me. Not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. But he said that the day of the Lord will come as a thief. 
in the night in which the heavens shall pass away in a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. He's saying, look, there's a day coming, folks. It's going to come as a thief in the night. Do we believe that? Do we really, do we really believe that Jesus is going to come? Do we believe that there's a real hell? And there's a real heaven again? Here's some motivating factors in verse 11. He said, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, or all these things are going to happen, what manner of person ought ye to be? In all holy conversation and godliness. He said, looking and hasting. He said, this is the person you ought to be. You ought to look in haste for the coming of the day of God. He said, again, talking a little deeper about the heavens being on fire and dissolved and the elements dealt with fervent heat. He said, nevertheless, we accord this promise. Look for a new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may found of him in peace without spot and blameless. What's the motivation today? Peter said, look, we know this day is coming. Let's look for that day, but let's be diligent that when he does come, that we can be found having peace in our life, have no spot, we can be blameless. I close this last scripture today, Romans 22 and 11 and 12. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. But he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. He said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. So I said, You're not saved by works. No, we're not. But we will be judged by them. It's only by the grace of God He saves us. So I said, How can you say we're, we're judged by works? Because listen, I've come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And if we're not motivated to do a work for God, we're doing a work for the devil. God help me to be motivated. What is the moving factor in your life? Why are you here? Why are we pushing and pressing? It has to be Jesus. In the text that I read today, at the very end of it, Paul said, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. What was he talking about? Paul was preaching in them the gospel of Jesus died and he was resurrected. He was telling them, you can be resurrected with that same kind of power. That's what he was preaching. He was preaching to them the gospel. But we, in him we live, we move, we have our being. In him we're alive. In him we move, it makes me go. In him I have my being, which that definition is, is hope. You know, I, you know, I get up here and scream and yell and act silly? I'm a, I'm a shy person by nature. Way back when, the Lord's got me out of all that stuff. But Sister Lois, I do this because 
I don't want people to go to hell. I don't want that. I want to be saved. I don't want your kids to go to hell. I don't want my enemy to go to hell. And Brother Donnie, that has to be the greatest motivating factor in our lives. It's not that I don't want to go to hell, but it's that I want to live again in eternity with Jesus. So I close today. And I invite you to come pray. And to ask ourselves this question. Lord, what does move me? I guarantee you, any of you in this place, you have kids. If your child or your grandchild was to walk into this place, and I was to walk over to that child and grab hold of them and just start slinging and jerking them all around this building, there would be a mama bear come out of some of you. There would be a daddy rise up inside of you. Why can't we look at our children and what the devil's doing to them? We can't grab a hold of that person that may be hurting them physically. But let me tell you what we can do. We can get on our knees and we can become the man and woman of God that God wants us to be. And we can begin to tear down the devil's kingdom. Hallelujah. Come on, let's talk to the Lord today. Jesus, please.